Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. I have decided that I want the Avengers music to play every time that I step onto stage <laughs> so that I can get excited and ready to go, right? So we are excited that you're here, whether you're here at Urbana and Sullivan, Bloomington, or Vineyard Live. Thanks for joining us. We're excited that you're here. Now, I'm going to admit, unlike Di, I am a Marvel fan. So I was pretty excited when I, when I found out that we were going to do this series because these have become some of my favorite movies over the last decade. And I'm not the only one on staff who, who really loves these movies. So the planning uh, uh, for this series and thinking through it, it kind of got a little out of hand sometimes because everybody wanted to share their favorite moments from the film. They wanted to share their favorite stories or characters or illustrations that we could use. And, and we kind of had to get reined back in just so that we could actually get something done. But, but I was reminded again, the power of stories and sharing stories, it was just, it was such an awesome thing. It's an awesome, amazing way to share lessons uh, that we've learned and gathered is, is to do that. And movies are just another way that we get to share those things with others. And I'm, hear me say, I'm not saying that every movie has a great message or every movie is even worth our time. But recognizing the, recognizing the things that are impacting and influencing uh, our, our culture is often a really good indicator of what's connecting to the generations and time in which we live. Now, I recently got to experience the, the joy of kind of sharing these stories because at the beginning of the year, not knowing we were actually going to do this series, uh, I began to watch through all the Marvel movies from the beginning with my two sons. And this was a, a really fun experience that we had to, to do that. And I understand you're probably thinking right now, like, as a parent, what a sacrifice Mike was willing to make <laughs> to force myself to watch these. Yeah, I accept your, your, your adoration and praise for this. But I could not convince Julie of the same. And she saw right through the facade that I was probably enjoying it as much or more than what the boys were going to enjoy it. But we were able to get through all the movies and actually got done right before the most recent uh, movie, Avengers Endgame, uh, was released in theaters. And that's the, the picture of us going to finally watch that as kind of the culmination of that time. And, and I will say, as a dad, you know, I have a moral obligation to make sure that my kids know how much harder that I had it in everything, really. In my life. So as they're complaining that we have to wait a week to watch between movies and a few months we get to do this, I'm like, guys, I had to wait years to see the culmination of all these movies coming together. You know, it, it was kind of a variation on that old dad line. I felt like I got a lot of dad credit for this actually. You know, listen, son, I had to walk uphill both ways <laughs> to the theater, if you can believe that. Yeah, I think they got the picture pretty well. It was pretty good. Well, today we are continuing this message series, Marvelous, where we're exploring this amazing truth of grace, and, and really the power of grace, but we're having a little bit of fun with superheroes along the way. And last week, Adai introduced us to this idea that, that grace is actually a person, and it's the person uh, of Jesus. 
And it's, it's through him that we are empowered to live a heroic life of faith. And I actually want to go uh, back to a, a scripture that she, she brought up and just, just read through that. It's Titus, Titus 2, and we're actually going to come back to this scripture just a little bit later, but I'll read this very first, uh, Titus 2.11. This is from the Passion Translation, and you can read along on the screen or on your device. It says, God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. See, this is what's truly marvelous, that grace was manifested in the person of Jesus. And, and this word manifest is such, a, is such a great word because it means to be revealed to our senses. So what we're seeing here is that grace is revealed to our senses through the person of Jesus. And see, the salvation that's now available, it's way more than just a ticket to heaven. It's access to that same grace of Jesus that empowers us to live with wholeness in this brand new identity. And we were made to be marvelous, but in order to live out this desire to have a victorious, heroic life, we must fully embrace grace in order to face the struggles that life wants to throw at us on a daily basis. Now today I want to look at one of the ways that grace is often misunderstood because so often we can look at, uh, we look, some of us look at grace and we just see it as another insurance policy in our lives. And when we do that, sin becomes acceptable because, you know, God's grace is going to cover us anyway. But grace is so much bigger than an insurance policy. See, it's our secret power that actually enables us to live in this new identity. And just like the movies, our superhero identity is so much more powerful than our old one. See, we have to understand something. Grace isn't the tool that covers us. It's the power that changes us. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we thank you. We thank you for, for all who are here and gathered. We thank you for the ways that you want to teach us about your grace and the person of your son, Jesus. Pray that you be with us today. You reveal to us in each heart what you want us to know today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, that question, can grace really do more than just cover our sinful choices? Does it actually have the power to change my life? You see, we believe that we are actually been given a brand new identity as saints, that we are righteous sons and daughters of the king. But when we see grace as a cover-up instead of a power-up, it's like we're the hero who decides to put on the costume but, costume but not use our powers to actually defeat the villain. So if I'm truly a righteous son or daughter, then, then why am I stuck in habitual sin? If grace, grace really does empower us, then why do I so often feel, feel powerless? And see, when we feel powerless, we often get put in this place of, of just resignation and acceptance. Well, maybe it's, it's just my lot in life to struggle with sin. And we can look at the incredible love that our Father has for it, and we just see it's just a great safety net that's going to catch us when we fail. See, that, that, that belief comes out in a lot of unhealthy ways in our lives. Here's some ways that can look. It might be this belief that our anger issue is under control most of the time. And it only comes out every once in a while and we, we, we take it out on the people that are close to us. But that, that's covered anyway. It's, it's mostly under control. You know, maybe it's being dishonest at work to get that, that big sale or promotion or bonus. You know what? I deserved it anyway. And I don't do it all the time. So that, that's covered. That's covered, right? You know, maybe it's, it's tearing down that, that friend who's been bothering you or that annoying coworker, you know, by gossiping about them and really undercutting them. You know what? Their terrible behavior brought it on themselves anyway, so that's covered, right? I'm good. Maybe it's having sex outside of marriage. 
you know what, I'm so committed to this relationship. And, and by the, besides, God's plan for marriage, it's kind of old-fashioned and outdated. That's not for today. And you know what, I actually think he just wants me to be happy. That's covered, right? Now, some of you might say, I don't believe that. That's, that's not what I believe. But your lives are telling the world a different story. So do you actually want to stop the habit of sin? See, the enemy only wants us to have half the truth, but as Di said last week, Jesus didn't do a halfway job. That means we're not a halfway job either. But in order to start making different choices, we have to change our mindset from victim to victorious. See, when we see God's great grace as an insurance policy for sinful choices, it doesn't just stop with covering them up. See, instead, we actually begin to create a worldview that says that sin's a viable path to getting the things that we want for ourselves. And so we actually abdicate the power of the grace that, that grace can actually bring into our lives, and instead, we give, up, uh, give that up for the cheap thrill of living for our own selfish desires. Now, a really great example of someone who, who's covering their internal struggles by living for themselves is this character of Iron Man. Now, if you're not familiar with the movies, Iron Man is really a man named Tony Stark. He's created this incredibly high-tech and powerful uh, suit of armor that he wears to become vastly more powerful than he, than he otherwise could as his normal human self. But we're going to go back to the beginning just a little bit with Tony. You see, I know you're in awe. Tony just walked into the room. <laughs> Hold yourselves back, guys. Autographs later. See, Tony has this, this persona that he wants to put out there, that he wants the world to see him through a particular lens that he has. Now, he is a, and self-described, by the way, genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. So imagine me. <laughs> Except for any of those things. <laughs> but I said imagine, and I'm testing if you're listening or not, so imagine very hard, okay? Okay. But I want to learn a little bit more about this public face that he tries to put on. And then we're going to come back and, and look at and dig a little deeper to see the reality. So let's watch this clip of, of how he might like to describe himself. Tony Stark. Visionary. Genius. American patriot. Even from an early age, the son of legendary weapons developer Howard Stark quickly stole the spotlight with his brilliant and unique mind. At age four, he built his first circuit board. At age six, his first engine. And at 17, he graduated summa cum laude from MIT. Then, the passing of a titan. Howard Stark's lifelong friend and ally, Obadiah Stane, steps in to help fill the gap left by the legendary founder. Until at age 21, the prodigal son returns and is anointed the new CEO of Stark Industries. With the keys to the kingdom, Tony ushers in a new era for his father's legacy, creating smarter weapons, advanced robotics, satellite targeting. Today, Tony Stark has changed the face of the weapons industry by ensuring freedom and protecting America and her interests around the globe. Well, wow. You know, if that's the persona, we would know maybe like, wow, living legend, right? That's what we're seeing. But see, the, the hidden reality... Uh, of what was actually going on in his life reveals a lot of deep inner struggles that was actually happening. Have any of you ever been there, seen that? Have we ever tried that with social media? We kind of put on a persona that kind of hides the reality of what's happening in our life. See, the reality with Tony is he was, he was greedy, 
He was self-focused, and he had little value for other people. See, his life to, to this, up to this point had been about himself and his fortune and his pleasure. Now, that all begins to change when he's kidnapped by a group of terrorists. And these terrorists, they, they hold him hostage uh, and demand that they build, he build them his latest weapon of mass destruction. And, and it's here where Tony actually builds the first rudimentary suit that, that we start to think of as the Iron Man suit that actually helps him to escape. But more importantly, see, he meets someone. There's a doctor who's also being held hostage uh, with Tony at, at the same time. And this doctor actually knowingly sacrifices himself in order that Tony might live. Let's watch that scene right now. Mm. <laughs> Good roll. Good roll. Still haven't told me where you're from. I'm from a small town called Gomira. It's actually a nice place. Got a family? Yes. And I will see them when I leave here. And you, Stark? No. So you're a man who has everything. Checkpoints are clear before you follow me out, okay? We need more time. Hey, I'm gonna go by you sometime. Stick to the plan! Stick to the plan! See, now, now Tony Stark has had to come face to face with basically the exact opposite of his own life. Don't waste your life. See, just as Tony met a person, a person who gave his life so that he could have a second chance, see, we too have met a person, a person who gave his life, who shed his blood so that we could be empowered to live our lives differently too. And of course, that person is Jesus. And we know him as the manifestation of this grace. But if we believe grace is just a covering, then we're going to waste our lives trying to manage something that's already been defeated. And Satan would like nothing more than for us to waste our time trying to take care of something that Jesus already took care of. Now, I want to come back to these verses in Titus 2 that we started with. Uh, and here again, the Apostle Paul is writing to his spiritual son and, and actually a pastor, Titus. In these verses, he's addressing this idea of grace. I want to read that as, as the person of Jesus. And this is Titus 2, 11 through 12 in the Passion Translation. It says this, God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day 
as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles, and it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. See, Jesus is the embodiment of this grace-filled transformation. We've been given this brand new identity that actually is capable of living out a self-controlled, upright, and godly life. We don't just cover up sin and selfish behavior. Instead, we actually get to turn our backs. We get to turn our backs and walk away from that old, dead self. But how does that actually all work? I mean, that sounds good in that verse, and we can nod our heads in agreement, but we go, but, but how do I actually get there? How do I get it from, from my head to my heart? See, I want to re- turn now to Romans 6, and, and Romans 6 is just has a, a wealth uh, of great stuff about grace and, and this idea of how we live this out and what that looks like in our life. And um, here in Paul's writing to the Romans, and actually in the previous chapter right before this, he's established this idea of how Jesus' death and resurrection ha- has given us this new and righteous, uh, has made us righteous, which, which is talking about identity, right? So he's established our identity. And in chapter 6, he's going to unpack uh, this powerful truth of grace. But he starts with posing a very interesting question. It says, Should we keep on sinning so we can experience more grace? Let's read now in Romans 6, uh, verses 1 and 2, again from the Passion Translation. So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all. And as a dead man passes away from this life, so how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? See, he asks a question that on the surface seems kind of ridiculous. So if God's grace is really so great and his forgiveness was of our sins, all of our sins, past, present, and future really happened, then doesn't that mean we can just keep living for ourselves so that more grace can come? Right? Isn't, won't that just be an amazing opportunity for us to receive more grace if we make decisions like that? We'll get even more grace. And that's where we can fear this message of, of messy grace because what we're afraid if we understand the secret of grace that it'll become a license to sin. But, but Di made it very clear last week, we do not need a license to sin. We're pretty good at, at, at sinning without being issued any license whatsoever, I can promise you that. I mean, can you imagine if I, if I, use, this, uh, if I, if I use this concept in my relationship with my wife? You know, hey, Jules. I still struggle with sin, and there's, there's not a whole lot that I can do about that, so I'm going to treat you bad. I'm going to lie to you. I'm going to cheat on you, but wow, what an opportunity you have to forgive and love me more each and every day. <sighs> you know, our love's going to get so big, they're going to write books about it <laughs> so that other people can get love this big in their life, too. Sounds good. I'm getting a death look. It's not. <laughs> of course not. See, Julie's love for me doesn't, doesn't create in me a desire to hurt her or destroy our marriage. Just the opposite. We have died to our sin just as Jesus died on the cross. He's taken our life of sin and killed it. He made us new and righteous and free from the oppression of sin because his power is living through us. See, we have a new identity and it is not the victim of sin. That old self is well and truly dead. Because remember, grace isn't the tool that covers us. It's the power that changes us. 
Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read verses 3 through 9, but I want to summarize just a little bit because Paul continues to draw out this idea of our beautiful union with Christ. And our union wasn't just with him in resurrection life. We were fully uni- united with him in his death as well. And it's so important that we understand this because our old dead self that was corrupted and enslaved to sin, that was the sinner in need of grace. But that person died. And because of that, we we now know three things. One, our dead self doesn't have authority over us. Our dead self doesn't make decisions for us. And our dead self is no longer an excuse for us. See, the stronghold of sin we once had in our lives has been completely broken. We are free. We have died with Christ, been buried with Christ, and been resurrected and raised with Christ, and now we get to live with Christ's spirit, his Holy Spirit, in us now. I'm gonna continue reading now in verse 10, because Paul's gonna now explain what's our response to that. How do we respond? He says, for by his sacrifice he died to sin's power once and for all, But he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continuously view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Now I want to catch something really important because we've established that our old self is dead, right? It no longer has authority. But, But catch what it says. We must continually view ourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin. See, that is a daily choice. That is an ongoing understanding that we must change our way of thinking to align with this new identity. See, it's not automatic. We actually have to engage with this. We actually have to make a conscious choice to align with the new identity that we've been given. And this isn't an idea of pushing greater self-effort. Don't hear me saying that. This is accepting God's grace effort in our lives and aligning with who he says that we are. Empowered to make those daily choices because that old self is, is dead. It's not making those decisions for us. Grace isn't some magic potion. It is the powerful person of Jesus working daily in relationship with us to live out this brand new life. It is our very own Iron Man suit that is empowering us to live out this brand new identity and overcome what would otherwise be impossible obstacles. See, grace to overcome creates in us the mindset of a heroic life. It allows us to make choices that we may have never considered without this new way of living and thinking because the old dead self is no longer an excuse to be trapped in sin. Now, as Iron Man... Tony Stark was also forced to think and act differently than he did before. Now, his journey began with this experience of having someone sacrifice their life so that he had a second chance to live differently. And that called him up to a whole new way of life, and a life that we hope wasn't wasted. See, he still battled with those same inner struggles and of selfishness, but he was continuously forced to act and think differently to overcome bigger and bigger obstacles. Now, we're going to watch another clip, and we're actually going to jump ahead just a few movies in this series. We're going to jump ahead to the very first Avengers movie. And if you're not familiar with the movies, these Avengers movies are just, it's the gathering of all the heroes and characters that we've been introduced at this point, and they're teaming up uh, to, you know, to fight the bad guys. And the scene that we're about to watch, the setup is they're, they're in the, the city of New York, 
There's this huge portal that's open, and there are these strange creatures that have, are invading, causing chaos, uh, and, and just destroying everything in front of them. If you kind of want a picture, just imagine like right after service when we dismiss into the commons areas. Yeah, it's kind of basically the same. Strange creatures everywhere that we have to interact with and we're not quite sure what to do with. So that gets kind of a picture in your mind if, if you're not familiar. And, and the scene right now is, is it's already a desperate situation, but uh, the Avengers have just learned that there's a nuclear missile on the way. And uh, the military's basically given up hope. They're willing to sacrifice millions of people in the hopes of defeating the enemy. And now Tony Stark is faced with a choice. Let's watch this. Right at the crowd. I can close it. Can anybody copy? I can shut the portal down. Do it. No, wait. Stark, these things are still coming. I got a nuke coming in. It's going to blow in less than a minute. I know just where to put it. Stark, you know that's a one-way trip. Save the rest for the turn, Jay. some of you who have not watched the movies, you're going, I have questions. <laughs> Let's stay focused here for a minute, all right? We're going to stay focused on, on Tony Stark and Iron Man here. You see, the choice to sacrifice himself was not one that the old Tony would have ever made. But he's come to value more than just his own pleasure, just his own self. Suddenly he's starting to value people. The very person who was too greedy and too self-focused and had no value for people is suddenly making a choice. That could be his own sacrifice. See, the question in Tony's life was, was whether the suit was just something that covered him from the outside or did he actually become the hero on the inside? On the inside and the suit actually empowered him to live out this new identity. And by the way, if you haven't watched the movies and you're wondering what happened, just consider yourself now, you just got hooked into a Marvel movie. I'm not going to tell you what happened. You're going to have to watch it. See? Everybody can get hooked. 
See, we all have these places uh, of struggle that we have to walk out, these places where we try to manage sin. And, and for me, that was in this area of passive-aggressive behavior. Now, as a, as a young kid, a young, adorable, wonderful child, my mom always knew, she always knew when I was angry. Not because of any explosive outburst that was directed at, at her or, or, or anybody else, but because of the sound of slamming doors all around the house. Bam, bam, bam. I think Mike might, might be upset. Why is he slamming doors again? I don't know what happened. He's just angry at something. See, this was, I believe that my behavior was, or that my, my acceptance was totally tied to my behavior. So I would suppress any feelings of, of anger or rebellion uh, directly at people, and I would just kind of work around them. See, this is where I felt like this was my way to, to, to manage that, that issue of sin in my life was to do that. So when I had feelings of hurt or anger, I, I, was, I, I can't act directly against them, but, but I can do this. I can act around them. And so that, that came out sometimes in things like, like kind of when I was upset with somebody or didn't like somebody, I'd come out in sarcastic, you know, comments. Maybe cutting them down a little bit indirectly. You know, maybe in sports was a place I could actually, I could let a little anger out because that was a place where aggression was kind of okay. So that was a place where it was almost acceptable. But, but this mindset actually carried its way uh, into my marriage too. See, it carried into these places where I wouldn't bring Julie into the places where I was processing hurt or fear or anger. Guys, does is, is that sound familiar to any of you? See, sometimes we can believe as guys that, that we're supposed to be stoic and unemotional. But the reality is when we're just putting on a front, all we're doing is lying to ourselves and lying to others. And, and really, it, it doesn't help anybody. See, Julie loved me. She actually wanted to process these things with me, even if she was the source of my frustration. And in the very rare, rare occurrence where I was the source of hers, but I couldn't even get an example, so it wasn't even worth it. You know, it's very rare. <laughs> See, letting God's grace empower me to face those emotions actually made our relationship stronger. Because managing sin wasn't building our relationship, it was actually tearing down the foundations of it. And it wasn't until I had this revelation of God's grace that I understood my behavior was creating strongholds for the enemy to stir up resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness in my life. But I began to understand that what Jesus did, it wasn't a repair, it was a resurrection. See, I died, and now I've been resurrected, and I'm filled with the very spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. See, now I'm learning to live as a resurrected man. God's heart is, is actually to teach us how to live out that new identity. And we do that as we partner with Jesus and partner with the power of, of his spirit. Because, see, my dead self no longer makes my decisions. My dead self no longer has authority over me. And my dead self is no longer an excuse for me. Do I still have frustrations in my life? Yes. Do I still struggle with passive-aggressive behavior? Of course. But the difference is, when Julie frustrates me, I'm, I'm learning through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to say no to my dead self and yes to my new identity. See, I can respond with love and with patience. It's the final stages of a stretch of her pregnancy. There is opportunity for grace to abound, people. <laughs> yes, I did get these illustrations approved. And I don't have a death wish. I'd be crazy. Plus, she's kind of slow to get upstairs, and I'm up on this stage, so she's not going to be able to get me anyway. It'll be fine. A little bit of a death wish, just a little. Well, I want to end today. I want to come back to this, uh, that chapter, Romans 6. And Paul's going to actually passionately exhort us in how we should actually live out this empowerment of grace. 
I'm going to pick up in verse 12 here. Sin is a dethroned monarch. Dethroned. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then refuse to answer its call and surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. See, sin is dethroned. Its rule and reign that it used to have in your life is no more, and we no longer have to give it an opportunity to rule in our life because we have the power. We have Jesus, the person of grace, living in us. We can refuse to answer that, 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 and, that and surrender our life as a tool for sin. See, King Jesus is alive and well. He's sitting on that throne, and just as Tony Stark was implored, let's not waste this life. Will we be tempted to sin? Of course we were. Even Jesus was tempted to sin. But remember, Jesus was an example as us and not just for us. And that means we too can choose not to sin. See, temptation is not the sin. It's choosing to engage with that, with that temptation that becomes the sin. So is that just willpower? Thankfully, no, because none of us would survive there. It's even better. We have grace power to make those decisions. I'm going to come back to the verses now. It says, instead, and notice that word instead. Now he's going to contrast what, what we're not with how we're actually called to live. Now what we get to do. So it says, instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. Remember this. Sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. See, our job is to passionately answer God's call to experience resurrection life full of hope and joy and peace and love and power. See, God has a purpose for you. He calls it a noble purpose. So we have to be ready to answer that call for that purpose. Sin's defeated. You're no longer under its authority. In fact, you're now under the reign of grace. I want to sum up kind of today's message in, in, in three, st- three phrases that I think that, are, that you'll help. You can catch this, take it with you, right? There's a little, little Iron Man, you know, snarkiness or funniness in this. We'll see. See, the first is Jesus lives, grace rules, and sin drools. You like that? You'll remember that. Jesus lives, grace rules, sin drools. Jesus is alive and well. His life defines your new identity. As the person of grace, he rules over us and empowers us to live with his purpose. The power of sin is broken and defeated. Grace isn't the tool that covers us. It's the power that changes us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, that we we get to experience your marvelous grace. That we're empowered to live differently. We're empowered today to make choices that align with who you say that we are. We thank you, Father, for your presence here. Continue to teach us and to guide us to live out an empowered, grace-filled life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.